Welcome to Off the Cuff, where Mish and Chris discuss the week's events informally and without a script. Welcome, Mish. Hey, uh, I'm just back from the UK. Had a wonderful trip there. I'd like to give a couple updates on that. Uh, Here we are. There was just another presidential debate last night. Of course, the big news on my side of the coast was I felt for only the second time in my life an earthquake. This one centered just outside of Portland, Maine. But boy, it, it rocked stuff all the way down here. That was interesting. And I know you had a post up on the deficit. My favorite topic. I want to talk about that. And of course, we have all this mysteriously good economic data coming out. I really I want your impression. We haven't had a chance to talk about it. Uh, Is this a real economic turnaround? Or are we just being treated to some, um, let's call it October surprises in an election year? Love to get your views on that. So first up, the debates, the election cycle Uh, in the debates last night. uh, This was a repeat. Romney Obama, anything new, different, unusual, worthy of discussion going on there? Actually, for you? a couple of things. The um, Obama got slaughtered in the first debate. There's no question yeah, about that's true. it. Yep. And uh, and bear in mind, this is coming from someone who really is an independent and who is not going to vote for either of them. So I believe I'm reasonably unbiased to, but we all have our biases. But uh, uh, having said that. Um, Obama did much, much better in this one. I thought it was essentially a tie, though. The um, And I had arrived at that conclusion before I heard the exit polls. And the exit polls showed Obama with a slight lead, but, but it was pretty close. It was like 37 to 33 to 33. Uh, so people who didn't know before, you know, or people thought that it was a tie, uh, um, but the other two almost an even split actually here uh, uh, as to who won. I suspect that um, um, most voters uh, had had their minds really made up and they heard what they wanted to hear from their candidate and just voted for him. In contrast to the last one, Obama did so badly that it was hard for anyone <laughs> to say that he won the debate. But when you start digging into the facts of what they said and what ah, they yes. d- discussed, uh, it was lies, innuendo, uh, distortions on both sides. It, it wasn't, you know, one person constantly lying. It was both of them. And I thought the, the biggest lie of the entire debate was Romney saying he was going to balance the budget. Well, I'm sorry, he's not. Paul Ryan's plan, which he actually doesn't even want to go that far, wouldn't balance it until 2040. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not balancing the budget, even if they did do it by 2040. 2040. Uh, the yeah. only balanced budget plan that we've seen, well, actually we've seen one from... Um, uh, Rand Paul, who would do it within five years, I think that's a reasonable time frame, and I uh, liked his plan. And, of course, Ron Paul would actually do it. I'm not sure in what time frame that was, but let's say five years as well. Uh, 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 the, those were the only real plans. Otherwise, you know, they didn't talk about housing. They didn't talk about the Fed. And, in fact, neither housing nor the Fed has come up, I don't believe, in either of the first two debates here to any significant degree. So what did anyone learn last night? Well, 
nothing that I can see. You know what's fascinating to me is, is first, you know, the two things, what they did say, what they didn't say. I, I love both those topics. And, and this isn't just politicking. Obviously, I'm a very nonpartisan, nonpolitical person. But the implications of what's being said and aren't being said actually are, are really important because in the example I use in, in the crash course, we only have a few minutes in this stadium we're in. Like decisions today are very just crucially important. Are we going to do the right things or the wrong things? Mm-hmm. So I, I care a lot. And uh, the the number of material misstatements just astounds me. A, that, that they can happen at all because this is the age of the internet. Fact-checking, I mean, it's... Well, let me put it this way. Personally, I'm mortified when I make a mistake, a factual mistake, a simple mistake. Uh, but that's sort of a character construct of mind. I'm just astounded at people who can just blithely... Um, what's the word? Is it a phrase? They're just carefree. They're, they're loose with, with these things we may call facts. I think Colbert nailed it with the whole truthiness thing, you know? And, and uh, But it's still astounding to me that we're having what are supposed to be reasoned. This is supposed to be the most elevated conversation we're having in our, in our country right now. This is big time. We're making decisions. And, you know, uh, what I'm really astounded by is not just that it's just these two main political parties up there saying what they're going to say. And, oh, boy, did they get some factual whoppers out there. But that there are no alternative voices anywhere in this debate, that there isn't a Ron Paul, a Rand Paul, um, a Green Party, a picket. They're they're actually in many ballots that are up to nine presidential candidates out there. And yet all of them get completely excluded because who sets up the presidential debates? It's the Presidential Debate Commission. What's it chaired by? Well, there's a representative from the Democrat Party, a, de- a representative from the Republican Party. And guess what? Ha! They exclude any other voices. I think it would be incredible to have an expanded discussion because what really concerns me is really what wasn't being talked about. You mentioned the Fed I think that where they went on their energy policies was just way too light. Where we are in education, just not even remotely close to... to Both of them were wrong, yes. It was just astounding. They want more Pell Grants. Good grief. You know, uh, I disagreed. Well, first off, you know, ignoring the things that were just blatantly wrong, uh, uh, I mean, incorrect factually, I disagreed with both of them more than half the time. You know, that's what it comes down to. And then the way they presented some of the facts were really distortionary. Like, oh, uh, Romney said something that was true, but he specifically used, uh, it was in, in uh, as pertains to energy, but he was specifically talking about 2010 and 2011, conveniently ignoring something that was in Obama's favor for 2012. So, I mean, you know, you know, cherry picking facts. And we, that's another, you know, thing that, that we, you know, failed to mention. And, uh, Romney was extremely good about that, actually. So, you know, who won? Well, uh, like I said, call it a tie, but, uh, the, the viewing audience actually was the big losers because, uh, they didn't learn anything. Well, not just that for me. It, it's it's that and this idea that there is really a uh, there's a difference without a distinction between them on so many fronts. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do with that. And and so mm-hmm. it really is saying what we're going to have. And and this is no surprise to anybody listening. Out there's going to be one more good old impassioned defense of the status quo. We're going to try the same old same old business as usual. On and on we go. And yet we're inarguably slipping a little bit deeper and deeper into the hole as far as I see it. And yet, and yet 
let me back out and put this into economic terms for a second. There's been all this extraordinary data that the the housing starts data, the uh, unemployment data, making just not just like substantial improvements, but outside of even the most optimistic of all possible uh, suggestions on the on the economist guessing range that they put out in advance of these numbers. What do you make of of these uh, new statistical uh, wonder kids that are on the block? Well, I've already talked about um, the unemployment numbers, uh, um, and I've given my reasons on that. I think Obamacare is part of it. However, I would tell you that Romneycare is identical. True. Something that you kind of mentioned. So, you know, Romney poking fun at, o- at Obama for Obamacare, when Obamacare and Romneycare are the same thing, is, is, is you know, kind of amazing. Housing, I've already said, I think home, I think, uh, housing is in the process of bottoming. Uh, you know, uh, uh, now that doesn't mean I think it's going to go anywhere fast because I don't think it is. But, uh, 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 and I talked about this actually in a post, uh, later, uh, or just minutes before we came on here, talking about the fact that it could be a mild recession. And by mild, I mean, uh, uh, not in terms of the damage it does, but mild perhaps in terms of, of, of layoffs. Corporations are already running pretty lean here. They never really fully, you know, hired anyone back. And so, um, if we head into another recession now, actually, you know, I think we already are in one, but, uh, uh, that what we're going to see is, um, a corporate profits really smack. Corporations are going to do one or two things. If they don't lay off a lot of people, then they're going to take a hit in corporate profits. So what does that tell you to do? I think that kind of says lighten up your exposure to stocks. Of course, I've been a broken record on this, and ad- admittedly, uh, for the last year and a half. So you you have to, you know, one has to point out the uh, mistakes one has made. I don't know that it was a mistake, actually, but that my position has been uh, uh, that the risk reward for being in stocks over the last year and a half has not been that good. I. I actually think that that was the correct call. Uh, the the, the uh, I didn't say short stocks, uh, but you know the markets had other ideas. Well, it's not just the market. There's two main sources of propellant, of course. Obviously, there's the Fed doing what it does, and it, and it works in two ways. One, just by injecting rocket fuel into the uh, situation, right? As it were, putting it into the economic engine, so it goes out and it grabs all this paper off the market and puts fresh money out there. They call it credit, but if it's permanent, it's money. Okay, that's that's part one. But part two is they're dragging down all these interest rates, right? And there's this very well-known rule that says if you're getting exactly zero on your risk-free returns and you can't stomach zeros, like, uh, I don't know, institutional pension endowments, all these other people, and even you and me or or people on fixed incomes who can't live on zero, uh, in an inflationary world, well, then you get herded, of course, over into riskier and riskier assets. And this has always been the Fed's thing. One of I, I just uh, one of the things I used to lambast Greenspan about, and I was just distraught to see Bernanke pick up this particular standard and run further up the hill with it. Is this idea that it's not inflation if you pump money into things and assets go up? So they don't they didn't think of like housing price increases as inflation or stock price increases. Those are actually virtuous asset increases, but it's still inflation because why are they going up? Well, because you're putting all this money into them. It's just and of course. Yeah, it's still inflation, and inflation has both a, I suppose, a positive benefit and a pernicious side, and and they never look at that other side. I don't see any positive benefit in it. It makes you feel good for a little while, like a couple (laughs) of days. All right, you know, if that's a positive benefit, then I agree with you. 
you know, so so we got all of that. And and so here, of course, I mentioned there were two things. One is the Fed dumping all this money in and hurting people into riskier assets. But the second, I note, uh, you had a post up around this as well. We just uh, saw, what was it? What are we on our fourth year with a trillion plus yep. deficit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they mentioned 1.1 trillion. So of course, first thing I did is I wandered over to the debt held by the public and uh, intergovernmental holdings, the website over there at the treasury, uh, looking at the debt to the penny thing. And sure enough, Debt held by the public, which is a cash basis accounting thing. Yep, that increased about 1.2 trillion between 9-30-2011 and 10-1-2012. That is the fiscal year in, in question. And so, yeah, call it 1.1, 1.2. I'm not going to quibble too much. But if you look at total public debt um, outstanding, total outstanding, that stands at 16.1 trillion now, used to be 14.7. That's a $1.37 trillion increase. That's the real number I look at. When I don't actually, when they say, oh, the deficit was X, I would just wander over to the Treasury Department's website and say, well, actually, how much new debt do we have? Because to me, that's the gap, right? You had, a, you had revenues, you had expenses, and we fund the gap over here in this stuff that's tracked just wonderfully in the Treasury Department website. So in fact, the true deficit was closer to 1.37 trillion by this accounting. And uh-huh. these are extraordinary numbers. They're so, like, like, like did anybody, to get back to the de- debates, is anybody really even talking about what that number really means? No, no, not at all. Not at all. And, and, and nor are they going to. Neither, neither of them has any intent of of uh, balancing the budget or even reducing the deficit in half, you know the, the uh, and and if I can add interject one political comment here, actually I, I see little difference between the two other than I think Romney is more likely to start a war in Iran, which is a very bad thing, and also he repeated his comment yesterday uh, uh, about labeling China a currency manipulator. I think that is shades of Smoot Hawley. A, a, a horrendous act that, that Romney actually ought to know better. And um, o- Obama actually, in his credit, at least hasn't done that. And you made a comment uh, that uh, because Obama won't be running in four years from now, maybe he would be more inclined to do something. I actually agree with that. And uh, uh, if I had to choose between the two of them, I'm going to stick my neck out right here, right now, and say I would pick Obama. But I don't have to choose between the two of them. I'm not going to. I'm either going to write myself in or I'm going to vote for uh, the Libertarian candidate, uh, uh, Johnson. So, you know, those are my views. I think if, you know, people are imagining that there's a monster big difference between these guys, and maybe there are on some social issues like abortion and some other things, when you get right down to the hard economic issues, uh, 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 they're, they're both bad in different ways. Uh, Obama wants to throw money more at, at social programs. Mitt Romney wants to spend more money on defense. Neither of them is going to balance the budget, and uh, uh, both of them are awful. Yeah, that's really what it boils. You know, I, I, I always, gosh, I, I just, maybe I'm just a little cynical, a little jaded, but I, whatever is being said in terms of words, I obviously don't take them at face value. It, it, they say stuff, and, and then later you have to find out who these people really are by their actions. What people say and what they do, I actually put a lot more weight on what they do. Right? You know, so, uh, and again, not partisan. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not picking sides anywhere in this 
Obama said some stuff during his first election cycle. Uh, and then that became, you know, people start to measure up and, and what's he done and, you know, get a varying scorecard. And there was some disappointment there for a lot of folks uh, who, who were really believing he was going to fundamentally change things. Mm-hmm. And, and so here's here's the closest I can get with this. I heard a joke today, uh, a liberal, a conservative and a moderate walk into a bar and the bartender says, hey, Mitt, what do you have? <laughs> So just again, pointing to the idea that, that, that we have to get to this stage where they were last night, both of these, these characters, uh, it, there's, there's just, it's so hard for me to trust anything that they actually say because the history has been they'll say whatever they need to say, and, and then you have to judge them by what they've actually done. And, and there, it, it, the, the whole who's better or worse, it gets very murky. And, and for me, not just murky, because I believe that we are at a really, really critical point in history where we need solid leadership. We need to know what we can stand behind, what we're standing for, what we're not standing for. We have to figure out what we're going to keep doing, what we're going to start, all new things we have to start doing, what do we have to stop doing. Serious moment here. And I don't have the confidence that that, uh, what I've seen so far suggests that I know even slightly who I could who I could trust in this scenario. So it comes down to trust for me and and a little bit of cynicism, you know, uh, I think well earned over the past four or five election cycles for presidents. And, you know, I, that's why I'm I'm suspicious around all this government data that's coming out that's a little let's just say it's it's surprisingly Rosie. good and you know, <laughs> well, I uh, especially the unemployment numbers. I mean, you know, those were those 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 were from Mars. I I don't think that there's manipulation though. I really don't. I, I, I think it was an outlier combined with um, um, people, corporations, you know, loading up on on part-time workers in preparation for Obamacare. That 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 could be. I'll just I'll just say this. I'll say that if I was in charge of the uh, BLS and I came out with one that had surprisingly um, tossed uh, uh, unemployment up 0.3 percent. I think I would have gotten some really nasty inquiring phone calls. And I, I bet you if you come up with one where a surprise decline in unemployment in this cycle, you get some really nice congratulatory phone calls. It's just to say that we're all people. There are pressures that, that are asymmetrical in this story. So that oh, if, I, I would agree with you if you're going to get it wrong, we all know what the better direction <laughs> is. I'm just, uh, just as far as I'll go. I just right, I believe okay. people are people. That's, I, that's what I, I'm saying. I, I can buy that. So I was just I over in the UK. It was an awesome trip. Uh, and my main takeaway from from being over there is that people are just people. Uh, I have this whole story that I tell about where we are in this cycle, resources, oil, uh, economics, debt, all that. And you know what? The number one thing that I, I receive as a question both there and here and elsewhere in the world is is it's a question that goes something like, aren't you kind of ignoring how clever people are and that we'll, we've always solved problems and we'll just get through this too? And uh Always surprises me when I get that in, in different cultures, it, it, and I don't know why. Because it just basically is saying, "Look, people are people. We all want to have that hope, that that sense that we can take our eye off the big ball, focus on our corner of the field, do our job, and that the rest will keep going along." And I guess my only sort of observation about this election cycle here in the U.S. or anywhere is that we're these are really really important, critical things that are on the table now. And I feel like we're getting fed uh, mac and cheese, you know, which we've always been fed, and that's fine, and it's sort of filling in its own way, but mm, it's time for some vegetables or something, you know? It's just we really need to try something different. And the idea that we can't even have any of that conversation on the table yet, 
is just, uh, that's personally frustrating to me. I'll let that out. All right. I think that's enough of politics. I hazard a guess this is the most you've talked about politics for years. So, um, but yeah, and you'll uh, have I to wait. You'll have to wait four more that... years to get any more out of me. So that's it. That's all you're going to get. <laughs> I, I, I think we've. Uh, oh, I'm sure there'll be some discussion after the the uh, presidential election. But uh, 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 the, the 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 time to discuss this stuff is now uh, uh, in a month as well. Actually, I don't think it's going to matter, but we'll, we'll see. Anyway, enough of politics. On to uh, what else do we have here on our plate today? Well, yeah, I guess what we've got is uh, you had uh, just put a post up recently about a video you saw, and mm-hmm. maybe you could just recount that real quick and, and what caught your eye there. Uh, sure. It was uh, uh, about the uh, a, a book written by, actually a video by the guy that wrote the book, The Aftershock Investor, and um, he proposed something not along the lines that we haven't heard before, but he had a different take. He said that we're either going to have a recession or we're going to see a massive hike in the deficit. Now, a lot of people have said that. I mean, Krugman has said that. But what's different about him saying it was he was voting for a recession because he thinks that uh, uh, we're going to have one if we don't you know, spend more money. And, you know, we know if the government spends enough money, you know, we, we can avoid the recession. But at least he was honest about it and said that spending more money was the wrong thing to do because it was going to make the, the problems worse down the road. And, um, you know, his position was to, um, and uh, you, met, you met this guy, right? Uh, uh, Robert, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Wiedemer? Yeah, Bob Wiedemer. He's a great guy, good thinker, and he was one of the few people, if, if you could say, you know, what, how many people or economists or people who are financially oriented called the credit bubble and the housing bubble and all of that stuff in advance, he's one of them. He, he definitely got that right. And so I think Aftershock is his uh, addition to that work saying, okay, now that this has all happened, where do we go next? Uh, he, he's saying he thinks it's going to be a mild recession. I, I uh, mentioned that, uh, I, you know, in my piece. I kind of agree with him. You know, either corporations aren't aren't going to be able to uh, fire people uh, uh, because they're already running lean, but you know that's going to be a big disaster. On um, uh, this is th- these are my views now that we're discussing here, not, not Wiedemer, but uh, it was in response to what he said. I said, you know what? Okay. You know, I, I agree with his thesis here that this recession won't be so bad, but so bad how? And, and uh, uh, as we both know, though, unemployment rate is way higher than what they claim. You know, this 7.8% is, is total, complete bogusness. I think the true way to count the unemployment rate is if you um, uh, want a job and don't have one, you're unemployed. By, by that measure alone, we would be... Uh, over 11 percent, you know, so, but where do you go with this? Uh, the, the thing is, and we're back to politics, so I didn't want to get there, but both parties, neither party, no president, all presidents want to do anything they can to lower the unemployment rate, so they keep adding all of these little things, you know, saying, mm, well, if you didn't look in the last month, or four weeks, if you, if you didn't do this, if you, if you didn't try in the last year, you know, all of these things, they weed people out to say, uh, uh, you're, 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 you're not unemployed, uh, when really you are. And, and, you know, we both know that. And, you know, this is not a partisan thing. They all do this. 
and and uh, uh, you know it's a joke. And then whatever party's not in power, you know, of course, campaigns against the other guy doing it. But as soon as they're in, they they you know uh, uh, they're they're in favor of of doing the same thing. So the, the so the whole thing is a mess here. But I'm sticking to what I said th- that we're already in recession. Uh, there's going to be an earnings hit here uh, uh, on stocks. Bernanke's going to do QE. You, you know he is. And if the recession deepens, he's going to do more of it. Where do you want to be? Doesn't necessarily be. I'm not necessarily right here, but I'm betting on gold. How are you? How are you betting, Chris? I'm betting on Canada. <laughs> what? You're betting on Canada? Yeah, sure. I'm just going to go hang out there for a few years, uh, see how everything yeah, works yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right in the midst of, of their, their of their popping property bubble. So yeah, no thanks. Know, that's just Sorry, it. Right. I mean, where can you hide these days? I, I don't. I don't know. Where do you hide? I, I don't. I don't think that there's very few places you you can actually go to hide. Certainly well, not and, Australia and anymore. Not Canada. Yeah. Uh, not China. Not not. You know, where where do you go? Well, that's the thing, and I work more and more with with um, with families, with institutions that that have noted, you know, they note all the obvious things, which is how do you diversify in a world where all the assets have correlated to such a high degree, and and you don't know, you know, you don't trust any of the currencies, or you do, you trust that they're all going to just print themselves, you know, <laughs> to a lower level, so they don't yeah. suffer these trade insults or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's really, it's just, it's very difficult. More and more people are just coming to the conclusion. You know, it's like that. It's like that War Games, uh, where the computer, the movie, the War Games with Matthew mm-hmm. Broderick, where the computer concludes after playing tic tac toe enough, the only way to win is not to play. That's right. You know, and so that's. I hate to say it. It sounds so defeatist when put in that light, but that's what gold ultimately. It's more like the cards aren't working well at the table. You suspect the dealer's cheating. You're in Vegas. You're like, I'm just gonna go take my chips. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go get a drink. You know, and uh, it's fine. That's a perfectly legitimate. Uh, investment strategy at certain points, but more and more people are coming to the idea as well that just getting out of money itself, but back into real things, productive enterprises, land, hard assets, you pick it. Uh, That trend is just beginning. I'm seeing more and more of it, and the trend becomes a flood at some point. Don't know when, but that's my prediction. It's coming. The problem is because of QE3, uh, excuse me, three rounds of QE, uh, that it's hard to find undervalued assets in anything, not in land, you know, not in uh, certain commodity prices. The only one that I think is is underpriced from and from from where I think it's going to go right now is gold, maybe silver. So uh, and you know, there's a reason in my mind not to throw everything you've got on that. So, which also means that the, the safe and thing to do is pull your chips off the table, you know. And, and and again, I'm a broken record. I've been saying this for a year and a half. Um, uh, we'll see, but I do think there's another very sharp um, decline coming in the stock market. If if nothing else, there's there's going to be an opportunity, even if you do pull your chips off at the table, to get back in at these prices. That you can bet on, Chris. All right. Well, I am betting on it, and I've been uh, very patient sitting on the sidelines, but hoping hoping for that opportunity to uh, re-engage at some point. So with that, I will, uh, I'll sign off here, and we'll see you in seven. We'll catch you in seven, Chris. Nice talking to you.